Yes, You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Oh, just just, just give me one second, Shelby. I was just uh, showering outdoors for the <laughs> entire world to see, and I need to quick put some clothes on. Yeah, I mean, I hope it, I hope it ends up with a love connection with uh, you and someone in Florida and uh, lots of past baked goods. I mean, do you shower outdoors in full daylight in view of several people's balconies if you're not trying for a love connection? (laughs) That's the real question. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I also feel like there was an angle on that porch where they definitely could have seen him fully nude, but it was always just the chest up. And I'm not sure I'm not sure how that neighborhood worked. I have a lot of questions about. I just want to go visit that location and figure it out because it's it was very confusing to me. Well, and also the fact that you couldn't see below the chest begs the question of if he was naked, yeah, or if he was nude. wearing a bathing suit. Maybe you know, yeah, lots of questions. Yeah, Anyways, of we are talking this week about the freeform original show. Love in the time of cholera. Uh, but before we get to that, we are talking about trailers again yes. because movies are coming out coming and there are trailers soon. and there are things to be seeing and talking about. Yes. And you went to a movie. So did they play trailers? Yes, they did. And honestly, that's where I saw this trailer oh, that we're going to talk about today. What a delight. The, I was intrigued on to which trailers they would play before the movie I saw because I saw um, Unforgiven, which is an old Clint Eastwood movie, mm-hmm. mostly because I thought it would be the movie that the least people would go see. Mm-hmm. But the trailers that they played were... Uh, like mostly all old trailers that we had already seen. They were like the trailers that they were showing back in February and March. (laughs) And then those movies just got bumped. So it was not nearly as exciting to see new trailers as I thought it was going to be because it was like Tenet and, you know, the same things that we'd seen a million times. Yeah. But you saw this Greenland starring my favorite Gerard Butler, correct? Yes, I saw Greenland and I watching the trailer I was like, "Oh, this is a movie that Shelby's <laughs> going to love." Because in order to know that Shelby's going to love something, there either A has to be some kind of deep sea monster or B no, there so needs exciting. to be a natural disaster and this was natural disaster. There's some kind of meteor shower coming that's just fragments. wreaking fragments, havoc. Matt. Um, so yes. many fragments. <laughs> Sponsored by Fragments. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's some kind of meteor shower coming. Fragments of some something or another. And it's destroying the planet. And Gerard Butler has to get his family to Greenland, where apparently the fragments <laughs> will not be hitting or affecting or something. I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, man. There's always somewhere. Um, in 2012, the movie, it was the mountains of China, I think. And... Um, in the Belgian TV show Into the Night, it was also maybe, was it Greenland or was it, it was somewhere, somewhere like that. So that's the moral of the story, I think, is if in doubt, just head to Greenland. But I watched this trailer too on your request and I've got to say, yeah, I'm excited for it. I mean, Gerard Butler is a hit and miss kind of guy for me. I think he's been in a lot more duds than than anything that's worthy of <laughs> our time and attention. If it was, say, like a, like a 
Dwayne Johnson action flick, like San Andreas, that was that was a remarkably well done movie. So I'm a little bit more hesitant about this. I See? mean I feel sure. like it's the opposite. I feel like Dwayne the Rock Johnson is in things that are like slightly sanitized. And the fact that Gerard Butler is in it means that it's gonna be a little bit more gritty. <laughs> You know? I okay. I mean, did you watch any of the Angel Has Fallen, like whatever's have you seen? Yes, those? but I've I also mean, seen like Law Abiding Citizen. Yeah, you know, but which I one think, do you think this tends towards? Yeah, it's like I mean, wasn't just, he just in a disaster film about uh electromagnetic storms? What was that? Geostorm. That was a Gerard Butler movie and that was bad. Well, I'm not saying that it's necessarily going to be good, but I'm <laughs> but it's going to be less like highly processed. You know, I feel like this right. movie could get a little weird, get a little stank <laughs> on it, where something with The Rock is very much like this has yeah, been through yeah. 65 <laughs> studio executives uh, and is very like put together. I mean, if you yeah. think about something like Skyscraper or... Uh, and or like the Fast and the Furious movies that he's in, they're very like put together. There's no rough edges, and sometimes you, you want a little bit of rough and tumble. Of you know, San Andreas, if you haven't seen it, is a great disaster flick, and and probably one of the better modern disaster flicks that you can find. But Greenland looks like a fun time. It also seems like you get the entire story within the trailer itself. Um, but that's okay with movies like this, and I think it came out abroad already like i think it came out in july oh. in belgium and in so yeah yeah <laughs> like hey guys how do you feel about this um but it's scheduled to come out in september this year so just in a few i guess next month i think it's around the end of september who knows what that means honestly do but <laughs> live in greenland can you live in greenland i <laughs> i don't know i feel like i've had a, a slow week on this on this podcast so i don't want to say either way <laughs> <laughs> Dude, okay. you know what? i Someone, mean because greenland's worse than iceland and iceland looks pretty barren mm. So I'm like, but I know people go there, but I've never heard of anyone going to Greenland. So I'm wondering if it's just like snow, you know, if it's like the North Pole. There's 56,000 people in Greenland, according to Google. So that's not very many. So I don't know. That's not not a lot. I don't know, man. But I guess if you're interested in what Greenland has to offer, this might be what like the secret life of Walter Mitty did for Iceland. Like this might help. Mm. Um tourism to greenland will this be a better movie than the secret life of walter mitty <laughs> i'm gonna say probably <laughs> i liked walter mitty but rob hated it most people did i don't care it's fine it had a good soundtrack it and had it, a and it did make you want to go to Wig singing whatever super trooper <laughs> or whatever that was that she was singing coming out of the the club and the hurricane. I think, I think we're both putting off talking about what we're here to talk about right now. So, love in the time <laughs> of Corona. Uh, I would first like to just begin by walking through me discovering that this was an actual mm, thing. Yes. Please. So I had heard that there was something that was going to be on TV called Love in the Time of Corona. I think on uh, Twitter. 
And I assumed that it was like some kind of Dateline special where they like interviewed people who had fallen in love during coronavirus on Tinder or whatnot. And then I realized that it was a scripted show. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yikes, this is going to be bad. (laughs) And then I saw that it was going to be airing on Freeform, which is truly the dregs of television. Like the only the worst things show up on Freeform. CW is worse than Freeform. How uh, how dare you come for the CW, which is home of Riverdale? Exactly, a great classic show. No. Also, um, Batwoman or whatever that was, that we both <laughs> loved so much, and yeah, that was on the CW. Point in my favor, yes. But that All American show was on the CW, and I liked the first episode of that. <laughs> I guess the only show from Freeform I watch is The Bold Type, so I really don't know what else they are offering. Freeform is like. Pretty Little Liars and uh, okay. The Fosters and okay. I just feel like like <laughs> bad Isn't stuff. Isn't The Fosters like Emmy nominated or something? No. No. <laughs> the Fosters is not Emmy nominated at least for anything major. If The Fosters was Emmy nominated maybe for I don't know like hair and makeup or something <laughs> but no. Well anyways so you found out it was on Freeform. And then I was like this is a this is a low. It's going to be so <laughs> terrible. It's going to be full of just lame Corona jokes that we've seen on TikTok a million times. Also, how do you even make a show about coronavirus when coronavirus is changing day to day? And and in this series, it looks like it's sort of taking place in March slash April, which is a very different time period from what's going on now. I don't know. I just thought it was going to be bad. Freeform Mm -hmm. made me think it was going to be worse. (laughs) But due to the fact that there is truly nothing else (laughs) on, we were forced to watch it. All four episodes of it that aired Mm -hmm. over this weekend. And it was an experience. It was an experience. Yeah, I mean, it's... uh, Watching it, I had really low expectations. I figured... I would hate it. I thought it would be garbage. I thought it'd be worse than anything we covered this year. And it wasn't, which probably shouldn't be surprising considering what we have covered, a.k.a. The Wrong Missy. The Wrong Missy really (laughs) makes anything look good. And so altogether, I would give this like a solid, like a four, I think, out of 10. Like I feel like it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. And I was frankly impressed by the production value of something that was put together in a couple of months and also was handled in a very COVID-like way, which itself was very mesmerizing to read about. It's like it stars people who are either married to each other or um, are living together already. So it like they purposely cast people who would fit into these storylines based on their real life quarantine bubbles and then all the cameras were operated remotely and so only one staff person was in the room while filming was happening to like help with lights or whatever but other than that it was like anyone who was living at home with these people would also help with like makeup hair uh (laughs) costumes so it was all like pretty wild what they managed to pull off did i think it was like a necessary capsule of corona experiences i don't know it felt kind of like uncomfy to watch but it was also like okay i guess they did okay with what they had i don't know 
Well, the most interesting part was the fact that it was all shot during coronavirus under these strange circumstances. Because it was shot in the actual actors' homes. So that was something with like their own clothes their own props like things that are in the show are the actors things uh which i thought was was fun and yeah they had to sort of cast strange people for the roles because like one of the groupings is a mother father and daughter so Mm -hmm. it's like you had to find a household where all three of those people are actors so that they could play these roles because they you know, you can't cast different people. Like, mm-hmm. you, it has to be the people who are in the house already. And also, I thought they used a lot of Zoom, which was, you know, on brand, but also could allow them to kind of, like, bring in some extra characters or have some interactions that you normally wouldn't right. have. So that was kind of interesting. And, like, the shots, going back to our initial conversation about the man in the outdoor shower he kind of has a he has a romance with this girl who lives in an apartment that's near his but like has a balcony deck coming out of the yeah yeah that sort of overlooks his backyard and i think that those two things were shot like completely separately and those characters never had any any interactions in real life those oh, actors interesting i guess i hadn't considered that i guess because were there any shots where sense. it was both of them I don't think so. I don't know that. <laughs> I should have paid more attention. Like um, I think that they shot all of the sh- all of the showering guy. You know, like they just put a camera up in a tree or whatever, and they shot all of his scenes. I feel and like then they there put must a- have been a scene of them like in the same frame. I don't think so. <laughs> Because I I I started watching like halfway through, and I was like, I don't think these people are <laughs> together. I think that they were separately. Yeah. Well, let's go through these storylines and then talk yes. about all the filming. So you have Leslie Odom Jr., who's probably the biggest name on the cast, and his real wife Nicolette Robinson, who who play this married couple who are trying to decide whether or not they want to have another kid. And then you have. Um, the... Well, let's just talk about them for a oh, second. Oh, you just want to break and... their thing down? I feel like that'll be easier than just <laughs> okay. Than listing all these people. But they're and like all interconnected, Matt. Oh, it's they are like not interconnected at all. <laughs> they're barely, barely interconnected. <laughs> okay, fine. So Leslie Odom Jr. is there and Nicolette Robinson. And they have a beautiful house and they're gorgeous people. And we watch them. A lot of it, core water going on in the product yeah. placement of this house. Yeah, it was just like, here's the thing that kind of was frustrating about all of it. And I think it's just a problem with the the format, which is a four episode. They're only 25 minutes long each. And so it's a very short series. And yes, they make all the necessary references to like Corona life, but it all feels sort of superficial because you just breeze through it really quickly. But this storyline probably has the most like serious um, relevance because as the two black characters, they engage with the story of Ahmaud Arbery. Um, And so it sort of becomes this question of (laughs) he first wants kids and then she gets on board, but then he sees this death and instead of having an honest conversation with his wife, kind of 
spirals into this depression of like, I don't know if I can raise kids in this world and like blah, blah, blah. And he ends up having to like really come through that and come together. I don't know. It's like, what is there to say about this storyline? I think it was frustrating because I felt like I didn't trust any of these characters like as I didn't find them to be realistic or like really relatable necessarily. And his storyline, especially I was like, ugh, you just like gaslit your wife who got all excited about you wanting a new kid. And then when she was excited, you're like, Oh, I never said that. I didn't want this. You misinterpreted this. And then we're supposed to feel bad for him. And I was just like, I don't like you, Leslie. I thought that this, I thought that Nicolette Robinson was probably the best actress in the show or one of the best actors in the show. Mm -hmm. So, I I liked her scenes just because I thought she was yeah. making the dialogue, which was usually <laughs> fairly cringy, like work. Yeah. Uh, this she this is also the only person who really like has any real encounter with coronavirus because her oh, sister yeah. or friend like gets corona. They, and they have Zoom calls uh, fairly often. <laughs> Reads off the yeah. list of symptoms. <laughs> Yes, yes. This was very PSA. Like, there was a lot of moments where you could see, like, the CDC sending, like, hey, can you work this into dialogue? Like, what symptoms do you have? Well, I have a fever, uh, diarrhea. I may have a cold. I cannot smell things. But they said it would get worse in week two. Right. Yes. Did you know that sometimes the tests are false negatives yeah. and false positives? And so you cannot rely on them completely. Yeah. I think every chapter sort of opened with a Corona cliche and there's, there's was grocery shopping. So he was getting all yes. geared up to go to the grocery store and put in on gloves and a mask. And it was like, Oh, the good old days when people cared. <laughs> but yes he's wearing like a like a full-on jumpsuit and a bandana and a face shield and then he only gets half the stuff at the grocery store so she has to order the the second half online anyways and it's like why uh why were you going to the grocery store if you could just order the food online (laughs) and you were so worried about it i mean at this point no one's worried but yeah well that's what's annoying too is i was like okay like so here we have this hapless man who's like, I don't know how to be a dad to my toddler and I don't know how to grocery shop. And it's just like, blah, blah, like, just try harder, young men. Like, that's how I feel watching these sort of characters on my screen. But I do feel like they they carried the weight of the show as best as they could. And so it wasn't like painful to watch them in any of these moments. This was the most heavy plot line, but it was yeah. also the most boring plot line. <laughs> so whenever it moved back to this, it was sort of like, okay, because some of the other ones are more goofy that we'll get into. Yeah. I had a question though. So Leslie Adam Jr.'s character is some kind of film producer and is <laughs> gone a lot, which is something that Nicolette Robinson brings <laughs> well, up wait, a lot. He, he had his break when Spike called him, you know? <laughs> right. So that's what I, that was exactly what I was going to ask. Do we think that they're implying that he works with Spike Lee? Or do we think that think he so. works for the television show or channel Spike TV? <laughs> I guess... I felt like it was Spike Lee just because he had mentioned movie sets and stuff. Uh-huh. So I feel like that's the direction, but I guess it could have been the TV, but also who uses that as a reference anymore when they could have said, oh, Freeform called, you know? 
but yes yeah i was i was very confused when he said that and i was like did he mention spike lee at some earlier point or that was no that was the only line in it that referenced spike Lee. it was amazing rob didn't watch this with me but he had come in for like a lunch and that scene was playing and he just like looked at me when he said that and was like okay So he must have worked on The Five Bloods. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Wow. He was in Vietnam. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You think he could have talked more about that because that's pretty interesting stuff. But it was also funny watching these stories happen in these real actors' homes because it's like, realistically, would any of these people have these homes? No. They're like much nicer, much bigger, much shinier well, than other people's normal I thought normal actually houses. that was the interesting part was that you could tell which of these actors are bigger deals based on how nice their <laughs> homes were. And yeah. Leslie Adam Jr.'s home was definitely the nicest yeah. of the actors. All that work so, with Spike paid off. Yes, yeah. truly. Spike is paying very well. Uh, so really... So there's four plot lines. They're supposedly all interconnected. Really, there's only two of them that are connected. (laughs) And it's this one. And then the plot line that involves L. Scott Caldwell, who you may remember as Rose from Lost. Otherwise, I don't know her in anything, but loved her in that. And she's just such a sweet person. Yes, she was my favorite one. Honestly, I really liked this storyline the most, I think, because it did feel kind of the most authentic it's about her who's the mother of leslie odom jr but is living alone and she her husband is in a rehab facility for i think they say he had pneumonia or something and so he's just stuck there during quarantine but then it turns out he's also struggling with dementia and so she's kind of wrestling with realizing like her husband's like fading away and this like life she envisioned is changing and she's trying to get ready for their big 50th anniversary party and then it's like we all know it's gonna get canceled you know yeah she keeps planning it and i'm like when is this supposed to take place because there's no way also you can tell that the writers are making like a number of sly nods to people early on because a lot of the characters are like well that's in june it'll be over by then and you're like oh lol well not the case i thought that this i really liked her storyline and i liked her storyline with her husband Mm -hmm. and i thought that that worked really well but also her other son, who's not Leslie Odom Jr., and who is maybe a little bit more wayward, comes mm-hmm. home and is staying in the guest house mm-hmm. behind there and is helping her get the yard ready for this party that you know isn't going to happen mm-hmm. and has beef with the dad, which is only like sort of realized and only kind of <laughs> makes sense. And I thought that... That 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 plot line was probably the weakest of the entire show. Yeah, and then when I was reading about the uh, making of this, they had initially pitched it as she would sort of like uh, meet up with this like reclusive neighbor who <laughs> lived next door to her, and so that that would be the plot line, and then also the husband. And I thought, okay, this all makes sense that they couldn't find <laughs> someone to be the neighbor, so instead they had her godson, who I guess lives with her play this role of the of the other brother and it felt like it was sort of tacked on because it didn't really make (laughs) sense with the rest of her plot line or the plot line of the show in general yeah 
I just also harbor such warm feelings towards Rose from Lost that I just think anytime she's on my screen, I'm just oh, like, yeah. oh, I love you. <laughs> she's so sweet. And her hair was looking amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for for not having anybody doing hair and makeup, I was like, dang, yeah. this woman looks good. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, it was the most simple storyline but i think that helped because it allowed kind of this characterization between the husband and wife to really take root instead of some of the more complicated storylines so it it really worked for me and it sort of ended up being the finale moment when she got to (laughs) reunite with her husband through the glass of the of the (laughs) rehab facility and then there was a drive-by like celebration (laughs) And honestly, like, I know I'm emotionally compromised just because I have spent six months alone or whatever, but it really almost moved me to tears. I was like, this is a five feet apart situation all over again. Oh, gosh, not five feet apart. (laughs) Dear Lord. Uh, It also had big Rose and Bernard energy of like them separated for so long and then getting back together and being so sweet. So, (laughs) yes, the loss of it all definitely had some staying power here. Uh, okay, so then let's move on to the, uh, I guess let's move on to the trio. So there's mm-hmm. a mother, daughter, or, oh my gosh, I'm so bad with these family relations. There's a, yes, a mother, daughter, and a father. So it's like yeah. two parents and a child. The girl is home from college. She goes to Sarah Lawrence, and she's just <laughs> been broken up with by her boyfriend, who is from... American Vandal, yes. The boyfriends from American Vandal. And I was like, honestly rude for them to (laughs) remind us in the middle of this that American Vandal was canceled after two perfect seasons. (laughs) (laughs) But the drama here is that the two parents have separated, but they haven't told their daughter. But because of coronavirus, they are now quarantined together. And so they're trying to figure out how to let the daughter know that they are separated and going to get a divorce when the daughter is home and turns out they're not going to get separated because their love is going to be rekindled via coronavirus. So it's very parent trappy in that way. (laughs) I did not like this storyline. I had huge issues with this storyline. I mean, the, the sort of at first it's like, yeah, so it's a couple that's kind of grown apart and they kind of bicker about whose fault it is, but they don't want to tell the daughter because I don't know, we coddle 19 year olds, I guess. But then plot twist, it turns out he has a girlfriend like, and that's like, you know, their business, they are separated. I don't know what boundaries they set up, but I was pissed for that girlfriend who has now become the other woman in a relationship because her dumb boyfriend has decided to emotionally and eventually physically cheat on her to get back with her, his wife without ever communicating that desire with said girlfriend. And I'm sorry. Okay, I'm just Shelby. not for okay. that. I'm not for but- it. But did you not realize that the girlfriend, Gigi, who is much younger, is the worst? And they were (laughs) telling us that in so many different ways so we wouldn't feel bad for her. No, it wasn't even like, yeah, it's fine. I think it's great that he realized he wanted to try again with his wife. I just wish the dude could communicate better and not like get to play like the victim in this somehow. I just I had a problem with the men in this story where they were constantly just like, And he, too, was sort of like, I don't know how to do this as a parent of a child. And the mom has to take over all the time. And it was just like, who wrote this show? Like, do they 
do they think this is a good appearance it was a woman who wrote it so i know but i'm saying like there's there's room for either more criticism of these sort of personalities or better male figures in these stories but i thought that the men came across as (sighs) looking bad didn't you yeah i mean yes but it also seemed like we were supposed to celebrate i mean like everything everything was Everything was sort of resolved in the end, but I, but I never, for once, thought that the father seemed like a really like great and wonderful person. I mean, he he's the one who, like, his wife made the sacrifices when their family started, and then, mm-hmm. and then he's the one. So, so he's the reason, sort of, why they're separated. He's the one who gets some like kind of dippy, much younger girlfriend. And then he's the one who doesn't tell her about it Mm -hmm. and is causing the issues with the daughter as well. And I think that, yes, he uh, like at the end, he sort of the the wife is a travel writer or is, you know, (laughs) relaunching her career as a travel writer. She's supposed to go to Venice to write an article for Condé Nast. But obviously those plans were canceled with (laughs) coronavirus. So... So he and his daughter like pretend like turn their backyard into Venice and, you know, have like a weird gondola ride in their pool. And that's what endears the yeah. mother back to the father. And so she sort of like agrees to give him another shot. <laughs> but I didn't think that it I thought that even in that moment, it seemed like, OK, he has been really bad. He is sort of like made an effort. So she's like, hey, I'll give this another try. But it didn't feel to me like he was completely redeemed in the end, but more that this was just like the first step in a direction. Yeah, I guess this is just my least favorite storyline, too, because the daughter sucked balls and I did not enjoy her presence. Oh, yeah. Well, the daughter goes to a party (laughs) in the middle of coronavirus without masks. And then the girlfriend who is creepily following her on Instagram (laughs) sees this and tips off the dad. And yeah. Well, and it's weird because her whole introduction is sort of the social justice warrior who's like mad at her boyfriend for not taking it seriously. And it's like and gives the whole spiel about this disproportionately affects (laughs) Yes. communities which is true it's very true so good on them for shoving that in the script somewhere but it was just like that introduction but also, I, was like, I don't like the you. boyfriend <laughs> is hispanic so then i was like but you're telling <laughs> him that uh, yes yeah and this storyline also featured um references to sourdough and um toilet paper and oh, yes. uh I'm trying to remember what other quarantine cliches. Um, there were quite a few with them, just because. Okay. Well, and the this, coronavirus parties, obviously. This plotline also included the weirdest reference for me, which I was unsure if I heard it right. And I went back and re-listened to it again. <laughs> but maybe I'm not. I'm like doubting myself. But there's a story that the daughter growing up, instead of having like a blanket or a teddy bear, had a soup can label <laughs> I missed that she that carried completely. around. The- I did not catch that. I'm sorry. I don't know when that happened, but my brain was it's, elsewhere. It's towards the 
end, uh, I can't remember how it comes up, but they're talking about like sort of, oh, remember when you were a kid and <laughs> the dad's like, you had a soup can label that you carried around uh, and you wouldn't, uh, you like always took to bed. And I was trying to like, is there another word that's, horrifying. that's close enough to this that like is actually what he's saying? But he's also saying that it was a weird thing that the kid did. So I was like, <laughs> maybe that is right. I was very I disturbed. I mean, she was a pretty annoying character who seem to just be coddled and get away with anything all the time and doesn't really have any consequences and also is just like the most nauseating kind of 19-year-old I can imagine. So I guess I'm not surprised. <laughs> okay, well then let's move on to the final plot line, which I think this was my favorite just because it was <laughs> the weirdest of the plot lines. So it's two friends who are living together one of them is a straight woman, and the other is a guy who I think we assume that he is gay, and then it come, turns out that maybe he's bisexual or pansexual, and he says that he's also sort of be into women. The girl has had a longstanding crush on him for some reason and then uh when he real when he says that oh maybe he's now into women she thinks that this is her opportunity to kind of like win him over in a feat of love but at the same time they set each other up with people on tinder and the person that she sets him up with is this guy and they really get along so he's like has that relationship going and then she's really jealous but then also, this is the guy who is outdoor showering outside of her house, and the two of them sort of have a connection. So once she is inevitably turned down by her roommate, she falls in love with the outdoor showering man who lives next door. <laughs> Did you like this plot line? Um, I mean, I... No... <laughs> I found it very awkward. I think mostly yes, because it was the so girl awkward. was like, what are you doing, girl? Like, please. Like, yes. I think every straight woman has at some point or another had a crush on someone who is gay just because gay men tend to be, I don't know, nicer, emotionally more mature or something or, or just <laughs> more tends towards friendship with women, which we then take and run with. So I was just like, what are you doing here? Like, I mean, yes. He did say that, but it's also like, what are you doing here, <laughs> you know? And then it was like she had this in with this hot neighbor, but she ultimately chooses to pursue the relationship with her quote-unquote soulmate, even though she's clearly more sexually attracted to this guy. And I was like, it was just messy. It just felt kind of like very convoluted and strange, and I wasn't sure why it played out the way it did. Well, and it felt a little also sort of PSAE, not in the coronavirus way, which I mean, it definitely was that as well, but sort of as in the like gender sexuality, like, let me explain this to people, which I think is good, but also, uh, yeah, felt very clunky at parts mm -hmm. as they're, you know, sort of discussing these various relationships that they have. And I've just got to say, I hate Zoom I hate watching Zoom calls or FaceTime calls on on video. Like, I hate it so much. And so watching their relationship play out or... So Tommy Dorfman is the main actor who I think is probably more recognizable than the other cast members aside from 
Leslie Odom or maybe lost because he's in 13 Reasons Why. And also, I think he had a cameo sort of appearance in Love, Victor. Was he one of like yes, the friends? Yes, he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's been around town. And so in this, he he sort of has a moment where he comes out as non-binary, but then it never really... I just was like, I just, it just felt, I don't know. I was like, I don't believe people can fall in love over Zoom, I guess, is also part of my frustration. And so it was meant to be this big emotional moment when they both confess their love to each other. But then I was like, you guys don't really know each other. Like, I mean, first of all, this show hasn't taken place from March to August. It's taken place from March to May 10th is when the 50th birthday party is supposed to happen. And so... It's like been a month, maybe, of them zooming together, and I'm just like, well, and I don't even know if it was March, March, because when they start the show, they're already in quarantine. It's not like this is our first day or whatever, right? So it's been like a couple of weeks, and I'm just like, I don't know. I guess I just am dead inside. I just was unmoved by their by their loud devotion of love. Also, I've seen Tommy Dorfman in like a couple of things now, and he was also a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race, I think, this past season. And I just find him like highly uncharismatic. Like, I don't, <laughs> I just, he, he always seems sort of like annoyed at everything that's happening. And like his relationship, both with the, guy who he's talking to via zoom and then also the girl who he's friends with i just felt like both of them were like acting circles around him and that he was just sort of like glumly sitting there while they were doing all the work oh i didn't mind him i guess as an actor i thought she was more awkward because she seemed like out of her element to me i thought she was like the best person in the show what I think you're distracted by her her luscious lips and her her short crop tops also she's the sister uh, well she's one of she's rainy quali and she's um uh the sister of the of the other quali who was in once upon a time in hollywood and also she's the daughter of like andy mcdowell and somebody that yeah so yeah, I see. I, I liked see. her relationship <laughs> with the guy who, with the outdoor of shower course, guy. Of course, because you would be wooed by someone delivering Sally Rooney to your doorstep. Like, please. That is true. <laughs> he he gives her normal people, which I was like, okay, normal I people roll. is a Hulu show. Hulu is also owned by Disney. This used to be, a. this is an ABC family, which is also Disney. Ah, okay, here's the connection. Uh, yeah. I mean, Normal People's a great book, and I would also be <laughs> wooed if someone gave it to me to read. And I thought that they were just, I don't know, kind of sweet together, the two of them, especially in comparison with some of these other, like, of all the the romances mm-hmm. in the show, I felt mm-hmm. like theirs was, like, the most rootable. Right. Well, um, this storyline also featured, uh, in the first five minutes, several nods. You got the no shaving for her plus a uh, tiktok mm-hmm. dance sequence oh yes um there was also this was the one where i was like okay these two people live in this house in la are you joking like he's he does what he's like a stylist or something and she's this struggling musician and they live in this yes. gorgeous like 
window, floor to ceiling windows, like two story LA house with these huge rooms and these with only two people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, this isn't believable. But then I realized like, okay, it's filmed at his house. And you know, that Netflix check has to be pretty good. So I guess I'll just suspend belief for this moment. (laughs) Um, this also, uh, had, an awkward moment where I was trying to figure out like who, what demographic this show was geared at because in general, I felt like it was very family friendly, but then the zoom date between Tommy Dorfman and this guy, I was very like dirty at some places. And so then I was like, well, maybe this isn't family friendly. Maybe this is for you watch Riverdale. Okay. Like what do you count as family friendly? This was this had more explicit references than this did not have Riverdale. some fifteen year old pole dancing while singing his song and a well, room full of well, no 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 this what's had a pole series dancing of among cheesy pickup lines over one call and that was it it wasn't really like it was things that like like I don't know I remember watching like Never Been Kissed as a kid and the whole scene with like condoms went way over my head. But my whole parents were like laughing about it. I guess it was all innuendo. So yeah, I feel like it'd just be one of those things easy to easy to look over if you are watching with a younger crowd. That's true. But do I think this is like who this is for? I have no idea who this is for. I have no idea who sat and watched this. I really don't know if this found an audience. I tried seeing if it was like trending on Twitter, and it was only. It was only as a paid promotion by Freeform or Hulu or something. And so it's like, did people sit through these four episodes? I don't know. I mean, will people revisit it? Maybe. And it also has the benefit of being the first Corona content, really. Like, they managed to build this time capsule of Corona moments and they get to slap their name on it and be like, see, in the years to come, we were the first, but probably not the best. (laughs) Also, it's short and it's like four episodes, but really it's it's under two hours, I think, in total. Oh, so yeah. I could see them like re-airing this a bunch in the months going forward and it almost being more of a movie than a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, so because it, it does sort of have a little bit of like a Valentine's Day sort of feel to it. Like if you... Yeah. If you made that movie into a TV show and it was Corona themed instead of, you know, holiday themed. Yeah. The the weird thing is, okay, so they're tying all of these plot lines together at the end. And obviously, Rose from Lost, she's having this anniversary party, which she can't have. So she goes to the nursing home. And then her son, like, has put together this whole thing to surprise her. So Leslie Adam Jr., who's the son, is like driving by in his car. We mm-hmm. learn early on that the that El Scott Caldwell, the yeah. yeah, was she she was a teacher and she was a teacher of the girl of the younger girl who yeah. um who just got broken up with her, by her boyfriend. So like that family drives by and is like, Oh, you're our teacher. Like happy anniversary. But then I was waiting the whole time to figure out <laughs> how the, like the younger best friend couple would 
factor into this. And it turned out that the only way they factored in is that Tommy Dorfman's boyfriend gets a plane to fly over his house with a banner Oof. that says, uh, you can't quarantine love. And then that same plane, like sort of accidentally or in its path, also flies over this like drive-by honking party. And Rose is like, oh, that's so true. You can't quarantine love. And then, you know, blackout. End of show. Yeah. <laughs> But the connection was tenuous. Like, I wanted something a little bit more interesting. You know what? That storyline had a lot going on. So what were they going to be like? Oh, this is my godmother. Like, I don't know. (laughs) I think what they should have done. I think that she should. I think that the girl in that relationship should have been the girlfriend of the husband. The girl in that relationship. Like that. That Rainy Quali. Should have been Gigi. Should have been Gigi as the tie. That doesn't make any sense because then the storyline that she's in love with her gay roommate and then also falls in love with her neighbor, but then is also in a relationship with the forty-five-year-old. That does not make any sense, and I would have had huge problems if he was dating some twenty-two-year-old. Well, how old was Gigi? Gigi looks like thirty-ish at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's generous. Yeah, no, that would have been weird. I don't think that makes sense. I mean, but- you would have had to have finessed the plot a little bit, but I feel like <laughs> that would have at least connected better yeah. than a friggin' banner. Well, I don't know. I mean, love actually has some non-realist, non-overlapping storylines, and like sometimes you just. You right, don't but this need only had four storylines. <laughs> it's like, and they, if they were going to connect them, uh, yeah. you might as well have them all be connected. Well, um, so the dr- creator herself said that she was driven to pitch this and create this because she wanted to come out while it was relevant. Do you think that was a good idea or do you think Corona content will have more of a punch later? I wonder if... If there will be any Corona content that is like specifically Corona as the lead that will be good for any time, you know, (laughs) any time in the near future. I think it takes a while for you to be able to do something that actually like makes sense and also that people want to watch. Like now, if someone came out with a good 9-11 movie, (laughs) I think that people would be interested in watching it. But for a long time after 9-11, it's like nobody... Like, nobody wants to see that. There were a bunch of movies that came out in the years after that, and I don't think they did very well. Or about Mm. the Iraq War, you know? I mean, but we still, we try, you know? There's like the... Oh, yeah. We're always always going to try. (laughs) But I wonder... But I think that stuff coming out about coronavirus, I think that if it's a story that's set during coronavirus, but that really isn't the focus, I think that that could do well. And Mm -hmm. I also think that there will be things about coronavirus in 10, 15, 20 years that do well. But I don't know if all of the movies and TV shows that come out in 2022 that have a, that are like largely focused on coronavirus or pandemics are going to be any good at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing um, that she talked about was, you know, this was pitched, selected in May. It went into production in end of June. It was a 15 day shoot. And so in between that period of being selected and then eventually filming, we obviously had an entire Black Lives Matter movement, huge protests around George Floyd's death. And both Leslie Odom Jr. and the creator both talked about kind of how they felt 
iffy or sort of weird doing this show while also dealing with this upheaval and they had considered canceling it they'd considered writing in the black lives matter protest but freeform was like do not do that which (laughs) okay i see you disney but then she ultimately decided that people want to see something positive. <laughs> so did this scratch an itch for you as someone in the throes of Corona depression? Was this a positive escape for you or anything that helped I you? I mean, I thought corona? it was cute. Yeah. And that it like, yes, would I have liked this show better if it was much darker and, you know, some people had died and we've gotten the <laughs> protests? Like, no, I think that if if this show is going to come out now, it does need to sort of be light. You don't need the heavy stuff while you're in the heavy stuff. Yeah. Um, like if you're going to make a, a depressing movie about coronavirus, that should come out once people are done with coronavirus, <laughs> I think. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, ultimately, like, who is this for? I think that it really only works because it's the first thing that came out mm-hmm. and it's so into it. So it's sort of like a novelty. And like, that's why we watched it. Also, yeah. it's from Freeform. So like, if you're looking for thoughtful content on coronavirus like is that the network that you're going to be looking (laughs) to it's not like this is an hbo special or something right so i don't know as far as now later or never what are you thinking for people i mean i think it's uh, probably never but it's also like there if you care It, it wasn't painful to watch and we've watched a lot of painful things yeah, it was better than I thought it was going to be, which I mean, yeah. to be fair, I thought it was going to be terrible. So yeah. it's a low bar. But yeah, mm. yeah, I'd say later to never. I mean, or now if you have nothing else going on. <laughs> but really, uh, it's yeah. just it's there. And I mean, what else are you doing? But it's also like, yeah, it's not gonna. you're not going to need to know this in years to come. Okay. Lightning round questions. Yes. Shelby. How many people would you allow to sit in a bathtub with you and shave your legs? (laughs) Zero. (laughs) That's so easy. Their whole relationship was weird. You don't have a lot of friends who you would just like chill and do that and have them shave your (laughs) legs for you? No. I mean, I've like probably sat in a small hot tub with like some friends or my little my sister but i would never let them shave my legs ever in any circumstance never ever ever yeah that was the that was a creepy part and i was like also i don't think like shaving your legs someone else's legs is a weird thing that i feel like is not like if some if the guy is doing that for you like is it a romantic relationship? <laughs> like, can you go to romance Rude. after someone has shaved your legs? Why you know? not? Why is it so disgusting that women shave their legs? No, it's not that the leg shaving part so much as it's just like a weird sort of like personal, but not personal. Like, <laughs> well, lots of couples thing. love to pop each other's pimples. And I find that abhorrent. Oh, that's disgusting, too. Some people do that. Oh, oh, so. oh, no, thank you. <laughs> Um, if you were an actor forced to take COVID precautions, what would you miss most about having a real set? Uh, the food. Mm, craft services. Craft services. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's, yeah, that's probably 
probably fair. Why? What would you say? I think like a PA, like someone who just get me coffee or get me whatever whenever I wanted it, you know, like just so sort of a gang food. Yeah. <laughs> but just a person to get it. For but you. I'd also just be like, oh, like go tell him I'm not ready yet. I need 10 more minutes in my. <laughs> Just leave me alone. I have regularly thought that I couldn't, that I would struggle being an actor because, you know, when you're an actor, you have to be so fit and thin. Mm. But then craft services is just sitting right there. <laughs> and I don't know if I could just mill around the set for hours without, like, just eating tons of muffins. Well, there's tons of roles for you, too. I mean, look at uh, the dad in this series. He was fine. He, you know, boxed for one scene, but otherwise, I feel like he. You know, yeah, but have we seen him in George. any other film ever? <laughs> I've never seen this man. Okay. Um, how old is too old to sleep in your parents' bed? Oh my gosh, I hated her so much. <laughs> oh, honestly, I guess I would say twelve is when is the cutoff. Yeah, I'm gonna say ten. Mm, okay, I'm gonna say okay. once you get out of elementary school. That's like fifth grade. Ten's like fifth grade, right? As soon as you're at, like, if you want to sleep on the floor in the room or something, fine, but not in the bed. That's strange. And then, and then the girls like, it would be weird for me to sleep between you two. And I was like, that's where we're drawing the line. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, Speaking of grand romantic gestures, what would be your quarantine move to make to somebody, or what would like most endear me to someone? Yeah. I feel like the move is to, uh, I think like they did with the Venice thing, is to mm-hmm. try to recreate something that you don't have in quarantine yeah. for the person in quarantine. I think that's that that's the, move, the move. Yeah, yeah. I told Rob I was pretty That's better than that stupid <laughs> banner. <laughs> yeah. Has I, Rob not yeah. done any grand romantic gestures for you? No, I was like, we were supposed to go to Amsterdam and... It's like, where's my fake Amsterdam? You know, like, like, hello. Did you even think of this? Like, did you even try? I'm sure that he could have gotten, you know, weed, uh, (laughs) biked over to the house and gone on a... It's like French fries and waffles. It's like, how hard is it? You know? (laughs) French fries is a thing that Amsterdam is known for? I mean, according to the best restaurants, yeah. A lot of, a lot of frites. So I was looking forward to it. I mean, I do love French fries. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> Put that on your travel list. So one of the uh, the the girl in the best friend plot line, her date that she goes on via Zoom mm. is with this guy who is obsessed mm-hmm. with the DC Universe yeah, I thought films. you could relate to that. Yes, I know. I was like, well, the, the versions <laughs> out now are better than the ones in theaters, but whatever. Uh <laughs> What movie would be the biggest turnoff for you if someone you were dating said that it was that they liked it? Uh, honestly, probably one of the <laughs> DC Universe movies. <laughs> Just because DC fanboys are probably the most toxic people on the internet. And um, I also just hate those movies, but... So you're saying that you wouldn't go on a date with me, Shelby? <laughs> no, not if you were going to spend the whole time talking about how the extended cut of Batman v Superman actually answers a lot of questions. <laughs> also, there's a shot where you get to look up Wonder Woman's skirt, which yeah, I was like, yeah. that was in a movie? I did not. That I do not remember Justice that. Justice League. Oh, yeah. It oh, was, did I see like Justice League? I don't think I've watched Justice League. No, yet. you said you watched. That's the one with like Aquaman and everyone. 
Yes, no, I did not watch that oh, one. I watched Suicide Squad oh, and I watched right, right, right. Batman That's v right. Superman, yeah, yeah, Dawn yeah. of Justice. <laughs> I have not got to Justice League yet. Yeah. We'll see. What's your movie? I was trying to think about this and uh, I feel like if someone said that they loved three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, <laughs> that would really, that could, uh, yeah, that'd be real hard to get past. Yeah, well... Alternative question. What movie do you think you're most likely to get stuck rambling about on a virtual date? Oh, uh, Big Fat Liar. Yeah, you've really been on a Big Fat Liar kick. Like, have you been rewatching that every night or something? No, but I was, but I was rewatching like clips of it. And then I can't remember how, and then, you know, I don't know. I was just. So many tweets about it. The movie is so good. It's so good. Do you find that those tweets get a lot of engagement? No, they don't. (laughs) Nope. Nobody likes them, but I tweet it anyways. Have you found your niche audience yet? You know, like Mm -mm. you haven't found your club of. There have to be a people who love that film. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, this is the thing is that I recently realized that the that the mother in The Big Fat Liar is Stanley Tucci's sister. That's what inspired the rabbit hole is because that movie just <laughs> is not tra- a fun fact. That is the lamest fact in all the history of facts. N- like, no, what kind it's of fact interesting. Is that? I think, it's, yeah. Well, anyways, this is where the date, the Zoom date would end for me. So <laughs> That's not a fact that you think would turn yeah. on a lot of people. Did you know yeah. that Stanley Tucci's sister is the is the 18th uh, build mother in Big Fat Liar? Mine would be naturally Jurassic Park, but I don't think that would get a lot of eye rolls. I think one that would maybe is... Um, if they mentioned like, oh, what are your top favorite movies? And I had to start talking about Deep Impact. I think that would really turn people off. Really any of your uh, natural disaster movies. <laughs> I feel like you you like yeah. the ones that everyone likes, but then you also like all of the ones that the no Deep one Impact likes or is heard is actually of. really good. So I urge everyone to watch it. Like what it. the volcano one, you know, like, no, yeah, I'm not Dante's watching that. Yeah, Dante's Peak is also really good, honestly. Pass, pass. <laughs> Swipe left. Swipe left. (laughs) I'm doing that thing where I'm pretending to freeze on a Zoom call and (laughs) am I freezing or not? Yeah. It would the I can see that being a being bored. Well, you know, know, now now you know how I feel being on the podcast. Um (laughs) so that is it for this week. Uh we don't know what we're doing next week. New Mutants is attempting to draw us out of our homes into the theaters. Will we go? Anyone's (laughs) guess. If there's anything better that's coming out, probably not, but we might be that might be a new low for us. We'll see. Yeah. Every week is a new low, honestly. It's just <laughs> who are we turning into? No, no. The <laughs> the new Missy was the or the yeah, other yeah, Missy, the whatever the Missy, Missy one. Yeah. The wrong Missy. Yeah. That was the lowest of lows. I don't think we'll ever get below that, but we'll see. Uh in the meantime, follow us on social media, leave us a review, send us an email at psurong at gmail.com, and we will see you next week. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>